Hi, welcome back to the Daughters of the Moon podcast. We're here again, and we have a special guest with us, uh, Elizabeth Wood. Elizabeth is considered an advanced seer, works on the cutting edge of galactic and quantum anthropology, trauma healing, and futurism with her lifelong ability to see into and work with all dimensions. Her theoretical and psychic work has helped people all over the world, called Living Library and Oracle. Elizabeth has spent her whole life studying anthropo anthropological, oh my goodness, <laughs> theory, sorry, quantum physics, ancient and modern medicine. She has two science degrees, including a master's in applied anthropology. Her philosophies and practices bridge science and spirituality, support real change in the world. And we just found out she's living in Ecuador. So that's very cool. And welcome to our podcast, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. <laughs> I live a more humble life than the uh, lofty uh, bio at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but that's nice because you're living your true life, which is which is always a nice thing to be able to do. Thank you. And uh, always trying to kind of be still in the realm of figuring out how to work with these times. It's so interesting how, especially here on the equator, where time seems to stop because the sun rises and sets in the same place every day. Wow. Um, and, and then getting this full blast of new energies, <laughs> <laughs> um, but helping people to navigate this right now, it's kind of a Alice in Wonderland for so many. Yeah. So it, you, go ahead, Kimmy. No, you go ahead. Did, so you do most of this by Zoom or do you do it uh, personally there, like hands-on there, or how do you work with it mostly? I do one-on-one -on -one sessions uh, via Zoom on the phone, basically, uh, and try to help people navigate. But I love to teach, and I've been publishing many, many hundreds of classes, and so I'm really um, compiling all this body of work. But the latest next piece that came through from Solstice, I think, was working with the 12 light bodies. And I come from a Tibetan tradition of thinking of 12 dimensions in consciousness and okay. how it's to the physical body. And I love to study the human biology, too. So learning that, for example, the brain has the ability to actually have multiple structures, 11 dimensions and, and structure in your brain. Um, so that is a very good biological proof of, hey, this is a real concept that there's many different ways to perceive consciousness and reality. And that that's what pe people think of or mean by, you know, being able to work from a higher place or enlightenment or lots of words for these kinds of things. Um, or maybe working with the divine will. That's a nice way to put it. Um, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of what's come up lately. And also a stream of thought around galactic history. I care a lot about that, and uh, I want to be able to use this beautiful skill of storytelling that has come up through my heart as something that's opening in my self to offer people. Uh, uh, I just 
come from a family of storytellers and I'm the oldest of seven and a military family. And uh, that definitely led to a lot of stories. <laughs> <laughs> I would and think storytelling so. <laughs> is a skill. And, uh, yeah, I have some amazing storyteller siblings, that's for sure. <laughs> that's wonderful. So how did you get started with all of this? What was your journey getting into it? Well, I've naturally always been extremely psychic. And even as a very, very young child, unusually so. And I grew up in Germany during the Cold War and uh, left when I was about eight and then grew up in the Northwest. Um, and that journey definitely was huge because I was, for example, I was still in high school when the Columbine shooting happened. Wow. Okay, yeah. That's a good example of my age group. <laughs> <laughs> I graduated very often. Um, but that kind of uh, dark time in consciousness where the youth were really being programmed into what I call the human hatred programming. And that just led to this pretty much huge downfall um, later in academia, but I was naturally psychic and my parents realized that and they nurtured it and they took care of me. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, and my family, we've all, we all experienced these sorts of things. So it was not a, it wasn't anything that I didn't or wasn't ever believed about. Now, seeking guidance about it was really hard because there wasn't very many people that were like me. So that was difficult. And I leaned into science to try to explain it. I felt like I might be uh, unique in certain ways and wired in certain ways. And I wanted to know what that was really. And I got my answers in anthropology because pretty much those kinds of people have a certain role in society. Um, and I figured that out after master's school and doing all sorts of predictive model work and really high level, cool education stuff, wanting to go and teach. But those doors shut to me for a reason. And then I got into mysticism by becoming a, a personal assistant to an author who was also a mystic. <laughs> that's kind of nice. and so then I, got, then I got trained for another 10 years so that was like my doctorate <laughs> it was kind of cool and and I and I got a lot of business savvy I did master's work in business and nonprofit work and um but that's how I built into this place where I could create a space where people could experience being psychically seen without being judged oh. and that role is the oracle where someone can see and have that skill unbridled without fear and be able to read any field in any place and go anywhere even inside the body and be able to just see what needs to be seen without any um, 
having like the the cleanest observer mirror-like ability to perceive reality um and that's now a better way i think to describe what all of us are going to be asked to look at and right now i feel everyone's capable of this <laughs> and i want to empower them yeah i want to empower people to do it for themselves um, of course, we all need help, and I seek also people to see me uh, for my sake. It's difficult to see yourself. Yes, it um, is. Yeah, so okay. that's basically how I got into this work. Wonderful. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, Kimmy. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, very interesting that you followed it through. It's like you were jumping from like science and psychic and all that other stuff like they have for over the years they didn't well they didn't meld too much together and uh, now we're finding out that yeah they do work alongside <laughs> with each other and for you to put the other uh, things that you do uh it takes it all over the place sort of thing it's very very interesting and um and to, for you to teach this to people i know that for us uh when we first started doing that we had to learn how to protect ourselves and that and you know, you, you had to go out and find out how to do that because it yeah. just wasn't possible to find it in a book or anything else, hardly too much. Uh, people didn't talk about it. Um, and, you know, you just gather your information as you go along. And I think that's exactly what you were doing. Yes. And, and you know, I feel um, also finding good teachers is really important. Yes. Being able to, being able to know when to be with a teacher when to part, when to come back, um, how to treat your teachers, um, being able to respect our elders. I feel like that's a huge missing piece sometimes. <laughs> I'm humbled because I'm only 40 and I have a family and I'm very, um, I feel very blessed in what I'm doing and you are. that I can do this uh, for people and that I, uh, have just a very clear channel for it but at the same time um, I think in the past few years it's been so important for people to learn how to do it now because we have an ability to do this remotely even without the internet and the remote healing the quantum healing realm the what I call Indra's net the the real internet is opening up really wide for people. And long time ago, I, I remember telling a friend of mine in high school, um, I had I have visions sometimes, and I don't have any idea when it's going to happen. I call it like the road of a million mirrors, because you don't really know what the where, where that reflection is coming from, because it really could be from anywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then when you step into it, it's like, oh, that's when you get the deja vu. Oh, this is what that was. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, but uh, being able to go into these pieces and uh, open them up. Anyhow, I think uh, for people to be able to use this Indra's net more and to lean into it and know how to then work with it for healing and balance. And standing in our power versus going to war with the dark at this point, kind of disengagement and standing in neutrality, knowing what that feels like um, is really hard right now. Um, so 
I feel though that that's a superpower still. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it, it is. And I think you're right. Like going inwards to shine our light out and, and our, and heal ourselves internally first to give that out to others. Right. And, and I think society is becoming more about that now they're opening up at least a little bit more becoming a little more acceptive to letting that light in as opposed to all this darkness right because I think for so long we just um, really focused on the dark in the life and not the nice things that we have to be grateful for and the positive lights that are shining through every day and what we're actually being granted with teachers that are come to us and things like that like you said so and then now opening up, you know, galactically as well, right? Which is is become much more open, I find, than it was in the past. Oh, for sure. Yes. And um, now we know more. Um, so I, I, I love to be able to, I study, a, I, part of my love in the world is astrophysics. And so I, that being able to be applied as a cycle, that's really what galactic anthropology is about. Okay. Understanding the cycles of all of the astrophysical um, cycles. So these astrophysical cycles right now, literally in this very time, are all lining up for this huge opening that for me and I think many others, we have a knowing about the future, which is what I care about a lot (laughs) Um, and don't we all it it is about the future we need to we need to protect what we know is going to happen in the future yes by of course acting in the now and acting in the now (laughs) and so that knowledge being able to have knowledge about our galactic history but also how these cycles work and why why now is one of the most important times it's because we're at the verge of another species change. And this is an 800,000 year cycle end. It's the end of a yuga. And then what that means is that our solar system, here's the, the galaxy. It's like a big plate and a lot of material is really thick around the edge. Our solar system's kind of out on the edge on, on the galaxy. And Um, As we go around, we go up and down around the edge of the plate of material. And we peek up and down to see the galactic core. And the galactic core makes this huge amount of very amazing, interesting forms of light. And so when you have golden ages, it's when our galactic system our solar system has that galactic peak around the center of the galaxy. And that's what's happening now. We're coming into that peaking over right now. We're coming out of the 12,000 years of darkness because we've gone through 66, 12,000 year pole shifts. And these pole shifts are like giant erasers. The earth's a big, huge (laughs) etch-a-sketch. And so, you know, it, it, we, we, the reason is, is because there's a huge wave of um, energy in an electromagnetic wave that goes around like a big pinwheel in the galaxy. And it hits us 
every 12,000 years. And it causes our whole solar system to change and warm up, which is why Mars is having earthquakes and everybody's heating up and Pluto's lost a bunch of uh, its atmosphere and uh, everybody's acting up. That's because we have this big wave and it also makes the sun act up. And this is where this whole supernova or excuse me, micronova concept comes in, that there's a regular micronova as well, which has been completely in stone, written by our ancestors over and over and over and over again. Um, and that civilizations have built on top of one another on, in the same spots, right? And so this leads to a much longer understanding of our species. Um, but now we're here at the end of many cycles. We're end, we're at the end of a 12,000 year cycle, an 800,000 year cycle, a 6,500 year cycle, and a 1,200 year cycle. Wow. All wow. at the same time. So we're here for something big. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love light photons. It's the form of consciousness that moves the most in reality um and has the most impact i feel um in this universe and light is something that is both conscious and form and you're creating it all the time and we have light bodies we have a primovascular system that's been discovered pretty recently and uh one of the doctors that discovered it actually lives in a town near me um but it's inside the lymphatic system and wow. And it's a set of nanotubules that have long, uh, long uh, nuclei. And it seems that as they watch them, the only purpose they had was to move photons around the body. And they have video and um, picture footage of what it was doing. And it was moving light around the body. And it turns out that if you allow your abdomen to be exposed to the sun, especially in the mornings and evenings, you absorb 70% of the sunlight photons that you expose yourself to. Imagine wow. what that does to your body. Wow. Yeah. And then, of course, grounding, being barefoot. Yeah. I, I don't like to call shoes a conspiracy or anything because that'd be silly. <laughs> I'm with you on that. I mean, I do love a good pair of boots, but I would rather be barefoot. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful to be barefoot in the in the dirt. Feels great. It's important. And I find that a lot of people, you know, they live in apartments and stuff. They have a lot of Wi-Fi around. Um, it, it's hard for them. Um, and I think... Um, being able to go out and I, my son, he lives in a kind of weird neighborhood and he's like, mom, you know, it's not any place for me to go outside and be barefoot <laughs> in the middle <laughs> of the city. Um, but I encourage people to at least get near as much nature as you can, even mm -hmm. a tree. Um, so especially a tree, that'd be my next best bet. <laughs> literally because of electromagnetic energy buildup in your body it needs somewhere to go um water is helpful a bath trying to get especially salt in the bath can help pull excess 
literally people build up kinetic electromagnetic energy you're you're made of all this water and so you're you're being zapped <laughs> all the time <laughs> yeah you need to shed this and it creates mental chaos too because it is a type of psychic pickup right yeah. um there's psychic pickup from living beings but there's psychic pickup from electromagnetics too right um, and just for people to remember that it's important i think and to have those break times man just turn it all off <laughs> i agree i think that i think that's a message people do need to hear because our we seem to be so online just in general right our phones the computer everything is digital and we are i don't think people realize just how much electromagnetic that is putting into our body and it's harmful uh, very much so Kim. so yeah, very like, really like, like i love what you said with the releasing into the water and the tree and the earth and things like that like it's my favorite thing to do too is just get outside and stand on the ground barefoot and just let the sun shine over me and just be like oh <laughs> it's like a magical moment right because you're just in it such is. a state of healing yes and and i'm so um deeply honored to be where i'm at um with my children and us being able to experience this in a community um and have a very regular experience um basically there's two seasons here when uh, it's either rainy or dry <laughs> and it's um all year round growing season so can uh, i ask you, i'm sorry but go ahead what took you to columbia like what made you go there or did you feel a power that was drawing you there that you were being closer to what you wanted to be or how did you end up there then if you're raised mm -hmm. otherwise yeah yeah so i'm in southern ecuador um, which is below Colombia. Okay. Um, so here's Colombia and here's Ecuador and then here's Peru. Okay. And here's Chile. Um, and Ecuador is uh, where the Galapagos are off the coast of, right? It's a pretty small country. Um, you can fly from the north the, in Quito, which is the capital, to the south um, in about an hour. Um, but it's all mostly jungle. And um, I'm in a sacred valley. Yes, it, I, many years ago I came here and was drawn here again and again to the same valley. And then one day we had finally moved here as a family. And I'd always wanted to as an anthropologist like, live in a different country. And my kids, are they speak excellent Spanish and my husband does too. And, um, we we've been able to live very cheaply and humbly and be able to um, employ local Ecuadorians and make friends and um you know be able to settle into a place that uh is safe and has a lot of freedom the Ecuadorian constitution is really amazing and I encourage people to read it it's incredible okay so I think I think it's the best in the world and that's partly why I'm here. Um, yeah. And that, and uh, I feel that the people here understand local economy 
um, more and are more agrarian. So when and when things go awry with any sort of food or whatever, this place actually has enough abundance at a local level for people to not go hungry. Um, and so that's really been important. And during the um, lockdowns, many, many Ecuadorians starved to death. Oh. Um, the poverty here, uh, you know, it wasn't like the USA. We didn't starve to death. Um, they did. But in our town, the, lo the local expats ended up finding out that was happening and um, was able to feed over seven thousand families in the two local valleys beautiful and uh, that yeah. that was a healing experience right and, and that's gonna help build it to the next level of food sovereignty so food sovereignty i feel especially as an anthropologist but also as a psychic i feel is really key food sovereignty needs to be uh number one and you know um looking at all of the war and the the violence that there is an antidote and it's very interesting it's being able to redesign our cities specifically not around commerce but around children and if you redesign the experience of a living space and focus it on education and children, and then commerce being on the outer edges, really as the uh, as not the focus of a society. Um, and there is a way to do it simply by building parks and libraries and specific things in a certain way. <laughs> For people to experience at the heart of a city um and i think that that is kind of used to be what a city used to be about kind of um focused around education and sharing and of course the cleaning up of the cycle the nepotism in academia is vital at this point but um that's why we have these podcasts. That's right. <laughs> That's right. To get to get that out there and to get this information. And I agree. Like, I think the youth, we do need to put our energy into them because they are our next generation coming. And the more that we can teach them about being self-sustained and, um, you know, being able to share the food and, those kind of things within a community, I think is really, really important because I think we're just at a level in this last little while that it's not about that. It's about how, you know, that rat race, who can get to the end, the fastest, the richest, the, and it's coming back. I find more to let's be neighbors and let's help each other out. And that's a great thing I think to teach our children. And I'm a big fan of the library myself. So I think that's important because there's so much knowledge that can be obtained from in there. Mm -hmm. Also, the re um, re-implementing of ritual. 
the power of ritual. I, I've taught a lot of classes about how ritual can help uh, heal addiction. And it's not a cure-all, but it really helps. Um, and I talk about like why um, the plants that we've either um, ended up, some of them turning into bad things like cigarettes, you know, tobacco being a holy plant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the removal of these holy sacred communions of the earth from their ritual context. And then being backed by drug lords and corporations and the sacred um, support of the priests and priestesshoods of our communities um, to lead people through their stages in life. Mm-hmm. Being able to guide them into the deeper understanding of their true self, which in the tradition of the dimensions that I teach only one out of 12 dimensions is material. And then when you realize that, things start to make a little more sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Can you talk about what the other dimensions are? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's, it's a whole body of work, as you can imagine. Um, but the basics are, uh, the first dimension is the I am presence. And I teach that all of these things have a physical attribute. They all have um, expressions in each dimension because the dimensions are very prismatic. And and you are the light that that begins your interaction with this prismatic experience. Um, And so that understanding of who that light is, right? Uh, is very important and I feel that and have through study of a lot of different things I'm an avid studier of consciousness but I believe that the heart is the key to the I am presence and that if you can sit in the um, most knowledgeable the oldest uh, part of your heart that that's very important because it's the seat of your body memory. It's the place where your body memory is oldest. And sometimes even the first cell from when you were uh, in a little bean inside. <laughs> uh, that first heart cell sometimes is with people as well. Um, but um, that understanding of like finding that spark of your deepest oldest self and going past that it's an entry point to an understanding of I am and that it has an expression and to understand what that signature is people call it an essence or a frequency and expression that that everyone's so unique as a soul and it's true because Mm -hmm. as many as many forms of consciousness as there is, as there as there are many forms of light, and pretty much everything in this universe is conscious <laughs> in some way, shape, or form, um, even just through quantum entanglement, um, it, that has some kind of consciousness effect. Right. So, so it's sort of like being in a sea of consciousness. And if anyone's ever swam in the ocean, they know exactly how that feels. (laughs) (laughs) um, 
anyhow uh, but what is your what is your frequency what what's that signature and being able to sit back in it without having to do anything with it right without having to interact with anyone what is that can you fall in love with it can you understand it can you nurture it can you let it be the driver and what does that feel like really in your body and then getting into the next dimension of thinking, which is now, how do you connect to all these other lights? And, oh, wow, well, everybody ends up having this whole amazing, glamorous array of lenses they use to see reality. And it's pretty distorted because a lot of those lenses are deep trauma. And, mm-hmm. and their projections on you they want you to wear certain roles. They want you to fit into what their lenses are showing them, right? right. And, and then we're taught that that's how you're supposed to live because humanity has been so in the dark for so long and we've been in so much pain, but then we've come through it only to be continually tramped down by uh, a tippy top of the pyramid, terrible people (laughs) consistently (laughs) over and over again until now right because it's the time of revealing it's the time of more light new light so i i'm so hopeful i i do believe that light will and has and especially as of the solstice is opening up for everyone and and so this is airing later than that but that means that some months have then gone by and what to expect i think um speaking to that is a little bit important because uh just understand that the amping up is only just begun the electromagnetic field of the earth is disappearing and it's 35 percent 30 percent gone right now well um and and that's why you're having weird crop stuff go on. Anyone who does any kind of farming right now knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> any kind of gardens, everybody knows, like, why did that, like, why, why did my sunflower just scorch to death? Or um, I've got all sorts of random reports from people all over. And then others, other plants are thriving. Well, that's why. Because the different kinds of light certain plants will see who makes it through that time but other i mean so many of these plants have and that's why people always stored seeds and that's important to do getting back to the cycle of the earth is so important right now because you know hey she's our spaceship through this time (laughs) and she has only ever done her very best and she is gonna have to yes flip-flop and it's not gonna be pretty um, and so if people want to get off the coast within the next decade, that's probably good, a good idea, um, I think. Um, that's why busy. I think <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it's the world's going to change really rapidly here because of that influx of light. And there's going to be innovation and there's going to be a very interesting kind of uh, huge peak that keeps happening in these equinox and solstice gateways and they're going to get bigger and wider 
um, and more expensive. Um, and that's why people are so affected. This stuff literally um, creates changes in people's minds and causes issues with people's bodies. So being really compassionate right now with what people are going through as well. Okay. Yeah, it's true. it's true. Like you talk to so many people and there's so many things that are going around. Nobody knows where they came from, where they started, but um, there's all new things around everywhere. And it makes you just sit back and go, wow, there's so much we don't know and what we need to know still. Um, it's amazing what you're talking about. It gives us another something else to look at too, right? And we all need to open our eyes to what's out there and the possibilities that are at hand, right? Anyway, didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, no. I'm quite happy to uh, have a balanced conversation. Um, I, it's it's quite easy for me to uh, to talk, keep talking. So. <laughs> okay. We're uh, interested about the 12 of them, so you know it's really nice to know what they are. And for the listeners, too, to know uh, how you see it and why you, you think of them as the 12, um, so they can gather the information and maybe follow you, too, you know, and what you do. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and that's why I call it prismatic human. Um, it's it's a, it, I, I used to have my business be about me. And I had it called Sierra and Scientist. And that was really good for the time that I used it, but the energies have shifted and um, the ability to erase your identity as deeply as you can to kind of understand that you have a wardrobe of different identifications and lenses that you experience life through. Um, right now is the most practical advice I can give because our interactions, if we can get that cleaned up, then we can start to use Indra's net better. And that's much, that's a deep conversation around connection um, and, and connecting with soul to soul versus like trauma to trauma. So I call it trauma ping pong, how people end up wearing these roles, right? like mother and daughter or um, uh, husband, wife, mother, child, whatever role you can imagine, uh, boss and whatever, student, teacher, um, all these different roles and they build up. And then then we have like achievements even. So me, right. oh my gosh, calling myself a galactic and because my bio is a little old. <laughs> I was like a galactic and quantum anthropologist. Uh, it it sounds really cool, but <laughs> at the same time, it's so lofty, and I'm literally just farming turkeys right now. So, <laughs> um, but but I think about this stuff all day long. So, um, this is that's what I do is I think about it and uh, help people walk through it. This this have this is vision this is based on like different visions and all kinds of things, seeing this as like a wardrobe, right? And so sometimes people they'll get really stuck, right? And they're like, I'm in a closet. I I, I call it a spiritual coat closet. They feel like they're trapped in a weird limbo. It's in anthropology, uh, it's called a liminal space, a space between spaces, right? And that 
feeling is actually really important because it tells you that you're on the verge of going into another dimension of thinking. And people will sit in that space for decades and not realize it fully. Right. And I think a lot of people end up doing that. Um, and so trying to break people through that is really important. And one of those ways I've discovered is to see our identities as sort of a coat rack and the practices. Well, my soul comes from source God. And so I need to trust my soul. How do I do that? Well, it's actually through your body and that your body's multi-layered and you, just starting with I am that I exist is so key and um, little children naturally have that but then of course what happens is mom and dad wear a bunch of different things and that distorts their soul's energy and so mm -hmm. then then we experience our parents as as we have whatever they might have been right but but we aren't taught to experience people as, as souls. That's what my parents saw that I could do. Actually, they they real and then we were really devout Byzantine Catholic, very very devout. And uh, well, my parents still are. <laughs> they have a temple <laughs> on their property. Uh, but the the that whole um, mysticism and that depth of really looking at um, the dimensions that was already there in the mysticism because the, the icons of the church were considered dimensional windows mm -hmm. into the second and fourth dimension through the second into the fourth dimension which is the dimension of the soul the dimension of, of the dream it's where bardos are. It's where purgatory is. It's where uh, ghosts tend to get stuck. Um, but it's also full of amazing uh, dream world experience. And then, then you push into the fifth dimension, which is all possibility. It's the fractal dimension. It's kind of like being in a Picasso, uh, living Picasso weird cubist painting because you're looking at a lamp and then it changes and morphs into um, all possible lamps. Right. Uh, and then how do you navigate that and not get lost? Um, and so... For me, like when pe people are like, we're going to go to the fifth dimension, we're going to leave everything else behind. And I was like, well, first off, <laughs> the fifth dimension didn't go anywhere. <laughs> and secondly, you've had access to it the whole time. And what's what about the first dimension? What about the second dimension? What about being able to build your I am presence and the purity of your connection soul to soul to the other I am presences? If we can do that, then the 3D will be much easier. <laughs> <laughs> and then the fourth dimension will be way easier to navigate. It won't be so creepy. And then we can start to work with all possibilities and navigating that. Um, that leads to mastery, which is the sixth dimension. And I mean, it, again, I'm trying to, these are like huge discussions, <laughs> hour, hours long 
Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that yeah. is. I'm sure that. <laughs> You're just trying um, to compact them <laughs> as best I can. Yeah, um, I'm pretty good at it, but you are. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, I do my best to at least project an image. I call it the Hall of Masters, the sixth dimension. But it's really where you toggle. You start to get a lot more formless. And that's when you enter into this realm of um, what what I call the angelic demonic realm. And the a lot of people end up kind of staying there in that spiritual war that never ends. Right. <laughs> it's because it's actually a war of frequencies. Um, and I think, at least, uh, I, and I used to work with angel work of for a long time and i've lots and lots of it's really important that people understand the angels and have a relationship with them because we have one and we have one with the demonic and having been working helping people heal possessions and entity issues um for decades um the helping people to understand why the demonic feed off of you getting to the heart of it so that you empower yourself so that they don't ever connect to you and that if they do or they bother you what what you can do about it um you know really good spiritual trainings proper spiritual training for people and training empaths right oh my gosh the poor empaths <laughs> in the world of, you know it's hard enough being a weirdo psychic but um <laughs> the the empath you know living where your feet your heart is seeing the the truth right i tell people people have said you know oh i wish i could see like you and i told my friends a long time ago that in the future people would start to see more and i have had some friends from high school call me and tell me that they started to see more nice and, right. and that was really interesting um, um, but the, the importance of these times, I think, to get back to that, um, what do you do to be able to take this in and heal? Well, again, we have to start back at the I am. We're not strong enough in our sovereignty. We need to get really strong in that. And I'm really starting to learn more about how to do that myself um but um i like what my friend says she's an excellent psychic her name is nalini and 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 she mcnab and she uh she says you know to to work within the natural boundaries of source for your light and that source provides you um and allowing that light to be made available to consciousness um, just as it's pure form without any identity as a healing way but you know asking yourself what does source want me to wear today what what energy do i need right now and really paring it down and so I've been practicing with this because this is also new for me as like a practice. 
um, really seeing this um, as a practice for myself as well. Um, but uh, I've been doing it with my children, especially. So these moments where I'll be like trying to maintain this just pure I am presence as sort of a meditative state and then carrying that through the day. And then my children, you know, in their beautiful light and having that connection then with them where I can tell, you know, that if I put that role of mother on in that moment, that that's really what they want and that that can be really pure without any other identities coming up, including all my childhood self or all of my frozen hurt past selves or my uh, leaky, nasty old concepts of parenthood or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, just this pure form of motherhood, really purifying or or like Rudolf Steiner calls like soul hygiene, really getting into um, purifying these identities too, getting them down to their core meaning for us. And these are the archetypes and bringing that ritual piece back. The ritual piece can heal our space um, and when we go uh, into thinking of how to build a new city or a community or even our own household, um, even if it's not, even if you don't have children, building it around the inner self, which is so pure, it's even more pure than the child, it's beyond that, it's the purest, most beautiful soul, your immortal soul, right. calling it that. Um, is important and it's not narcissistic because it's not something easily expressed either it must be felt in the heart so I tell people you know you don't necessarily want to see psychically before you have an open heart and and take my advice because I've I can I have been deceived by what I see and mm -hmm. and if I can be deceived by what I see then that means there's a problem with seeing without having an open heart right and so right. I worked really hard to open my heart and, and I finally did and in opening it it was so difficult for me to sync up my heart and my third eye and so I tell empaths you have it you need to master what the empath skill set is which is not seeing it's being able to actually not even just feel but to move energy that's what the empath skill is because yeah. the empath field the empath field is big and it spins and it's and you have your personal bubble and mm -hmm. being able to differentiate between that and the outer field and being able to get all that energy to move off the earth your field is a huge cleanup crew um and you can put it on automatic <laughs> it, but it's also really powerful as a seeing of truth because you can't be deceived by your heart if you're chisel yeah and yes. you can be deceived by your third eye you can be deceived by what you see the dimensions are very surreal they get more and more pure and more and more still and that stillness then becomes the stillness in you and everything else. And that's the oneness with source or source God or 
God or whatever people want to call it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so what I get from what you're saying too, then you correct me, um, is you're saying you're trying to find in people what is blocking them and holding them back and you're trying to release them and, and build uh, a better lifetime for them or what you're teaching. So you're trying to release anything that's been holding for any numerous years or centuries or whatever else, you're pulling that out of them and helping them see the reality of the day today and being themselves. And that's a huge thing because most people do not have a hard time finding their true you, the true me, the true you, you know, who we really are, you know, and, um, and actually living it because we all have our own little funky silly ways that we do things and uh which makes us unique as well right um and but it sounds like that what you do is you share that and you're pulling that all out of them to make them the best they can be and um is that correct yeah i think it's the age-old question and over about um probably about 20 years of doing readings for people I've done readings for probably 25,000 people. Wow. Good for and, you. And in anthropology, uh, that's a really good sample. Um, and so uh, I feel like I've been able to apply my social science nature to this as well and kind of be able to pare it down to understanding the real nature of people and humans and what they go through. And um, you know, so many of those people, uh, again, first, they have super hard time with embodiment because they carry their own trauma, but also genetic trauma, right? That mm -hmm. disturbs it. And yeah, exactly. You're paring it down. You're figuring it out. What are the blocks to open up more and more and more dimensions in myself so I can feel that expansive true reality that I am a soul and I'm a creator being and that I have the ability to let the divine will move through me right and Beautiful. as me and and whatever that might be and to get out of the way right your own way <laughs> so um and I think and I'm always endeavoring for it as well I don't claim to be a master or enlightened in any way um, I struggle with lots of things, but I tend to be pretty transparent about this. And I use stories of my life sometimes to help people in sessions because sometimes they're funny and they make it make more sense. <laughs> um, but also because then people understand that they're speaking to someone who, um, it's not just a cold mirror. I'm not just going to give you a, it's a conversation. <laughs> And it's a an understanding of the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being of the person in that moment, right? But the number one question always is, ultimately, who am I? Um, and, of course, that gets so deep into great ancient teachers. That's That's such a beautiful way to describe the six dimension is trying to understand who am I in this incredible chaos of possibilities? Mm -hmm. um, what if, what does each of these places um, mean for me? 
Um, and then, but going past that always, never clinging to it, right? Once you fall in love with it, being able to um, also take it off and hang it up if needed. Yeah. And I think it's hard to take off sometimes these rules that we play to find out what oh, our yes. actual true soul essence is, right? Like, who am I without being a mother and a sister and a uh, an employee and a wife and all of those things that I do in my day, who am I without all of that is a really hard question. To it, ask really <laughs> it really also, is. It really is. The flow of energy, then, then that gets into the flow of energy. Yeah. Um, and that's very 3d, very important to understand the 3d and what, um, what energy it really is that, that abundance is more of a field of energy. And abundance is accessed through generosity. You, you have to make room to receive. Yeah. Um, it's the way physics works. It has nothing to do with money. Money is just, just a tool for that. Yeah. So, um, you know, these programming things in our heads, these matrixy 3D programmings are finally melting away. People are looking for ways to still survive and interact and that's why i believe the local economy is so important focusing in right now on our local economies getting prepared to start to have local currencies and however that might look and there's so many examples and so many successful ones uh the madison dollar in madison wisconsin is a great example people want to look it up um and it's been around for ages um the other pieces I think that can come together for their people's households trying to just get by day to day, but also have the um, divine experience at the same time. I think that's imperative because the next wave of, I think, enlightened people are going to be moms and dads and um, people who understand what's happening on the planet but are really dedicated to consciousness at the same time right. and mm -hmm. and when we get pushed to these very big huge massive changes you know when the gateway opens this burst of incredible amounts of light continuing over the next hundred years as the poles shift as we experience more kinds of light and radiation uh, from both the sun and the galaxy and the stars um, and how that cha changes DNA. We're in a time of that time. That's the time we're in. Mm -hmm. um, and that it's a regular important part of this. But the cool part is, is just notice this. This is so interesting to me. 66 times has humanity gone through this. And um, sometimes we barely made it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like 2,000 people left type thing. Um, but the now, right now, we have more people on Earth at the end of this yuga and this time than all 66 of those cycles combined. Wow. So mm -hmm. we have all the souls on board, right? 
and everybody's going to have their experience from this. Um, everyone's going to choose to go through this as deeply as they can. Um, and I, I believe and feel that conscious death is really an important thing and why drugs are such a terrible thing, especially since it's been built. That's what the deep removal of beautiful substances of the earth, like poppies, the whole poppy, what that's turned into is fentanyl. Yeah. It's been removed and turned into that. That's what that looks like. The removal of these substances that were only ever used in ritual context for healing and for many different purposes of yeah. consciousness in yeah. a context of protection of mythos of story of culture and we've lost that um that's super important so um i do feel that that's a that's part of the front of the 3d war that we need to face that in the trafficking obviously yeah no um, kidding. but yes yes what else uh what else have you both seen um, and felt in these times uh, as we're arriving now into more gateways? <laughs> I find we're escalating really fast. I find we're moving very quickly um, and uh, trying to keep up all the time to the information that's being given to us as light workers uh, is a job in itself. Um, and trying to make sure that we're giving it out to others uh, for where it's supposed to be intended um, is difficult because there's a lot of people that just do not want to open up to see what's in front of them and what there is to offer for, that, for them for healing and, and all the rest of it sort of thing. So yeah, as light workers, we really do now to need to extend our hands a little bit more as much as we can. And this is why we're you know, talking to people like yourself, because um, we want people to know that there's all kinds of avenues that they can source out to be the best they are and to um, open themselves up to the possibilities because it's it's endless. And we're seeing that just from what, what we know is in the universe right now that we can see, you know, by pictures and all the rest of it, right? So yeah, it's, that's how I think about it anyways. We just can't keep up. It's fast, it's moving, it's beautiful. Um, is beautiful yeah yeah and I, I kind I, of feel like there's yeah. some kind of a chaos before the the real light is gonna come out for everybody because it just feels like with with yeah the drugs and the trafficking and all of these things that I think we're always there but almost we're kind of hidden before and there more people are bringing them to the light so I think that's really important because oh, that's yeah. our way through all of this chaos of that before we have these beautiful things and really getting back to old ways, like you said, with ritual and, and self-sustainability, because I think that's important right now, because yeah, if there was a collapse, how, how do we make it through? How do we eat? How do we teach our children? How do we have those fundamental things to create life and create more life? Right. Yes. Right. Um, and a quick answer to that in the physical, at least, is uh, my father is a preparedness expert. And um, he and I compiled a huge database of resources for people, including a presentation on preparedness. 
that we give for free. And it's on my blog on, on uh, prismatichuman.com. Um, and you can go ahead and download that for your family and share it freely. Um, yeah. And and I also teach trauma healing skills, right? Being able to catch that trauma, you know, we got to work on the deep stuff. Yes. <laughs> One of those big blocks that I find with folks, especially with the drug piece and working with vets and stuff is um, the trauma runs so deep, but um they they don't have any way to process their emotions in the immediate moment so it just keeps building up yeah um and that's really important how do you process how do you discern the truth that's another piece that's missing here these are sort of the tools that chip away at the matrix right <laughs> yeah absolutely um and that's what the blocks usually are made of right but but sometimes then you get deeper and deeper and deeper and then you start to remember your past lives <laughs> you get into these deeper dimensions beyond the angelic and you start to remember more about yourself yeah. and that has a whole other set of problems <laughs> everyone's always saying that that's all nice and everything and honestly i found it to be the opposite it was heartbreaking and it was difficult and I had all these expectations and they were shattered and um, and just seeing how letting that whole world of past lives uh, rule you is actually deeply hurtful. And that just like anything about the past, we have to let it go. Yeah. We have yep. to remain present right now and use the purify everything down to its basics and its methods and its pedagogy and its truth um and work from there because those are the tools we use to navigate these times now so i think uh the the last block that i want to mention is this fear of death and that's what happens when you let go of past life stuff um and then you start to shed all of your of your identity more and see that it was all just sort of made up of these frequencies. I call that the library of consciousness. And that's the deeper dimensions. Yeah. Um, and when you're working with the library of consciousness, there's no consciousness. There's no frequency. There's no feeling. There's no energy that is not equal to another. In consciousness, they're all loved. And that leads to something radical that's unconditional love they mm -hmm. exist everything has its place in this universe and that means that it's that's such a radical concept to say that all of these negative and positive emotions and energies and all of them are equal mm -hmm. that's what the universe is used you know that's what source god has used to paint this universe right. those are the pixels through which this universe plays on the screen and god is the screen right god is the screen yeah you're right you're right <laughs> so how do, uh, yeah how do people find you and where can they look for you and where can they find your books and um you know we want to make sure Thank that you. people know they can find you and share in on the information that you you are very well well versed in what you know i thank you for that 
Oh, my pleasure. I, I apologize for the weavingness of my uh, uh, interview today. Um, I'm <laughs> no, it's good. The, it's good. The, it, we are in the galactic new year and it's uh, the past couple of days have been very intense. <laughs> so, <laughs> I agree. Uh, I totally agree. I've had actually uh, two weeks of very intense. <laughs> yes. So yeah. thank you for being patient with my story. I hope, I, hope I uh, put all the pieces together. Um, yeah. So I'm at prismatichuman.com and my whole library is there um and i'm i'm continuing to put more um content out in different forms especially published books um right now uh most of it's uh book form uh, interactive book form ebook form excuse me um with lots of different video and audio content um some workbooks and worksheets and um, lots and lots of different topics, right? So I have uh, on my library a uh, lot of different ways to go through my content um, and find what you need. So I'm, okay. here, I'm here to serve at, and uh, I'm teaching about galactic history and about the 12 light bodies over this next year. So we'll be meeting twice a month for each of those classes um, starting in, I believe, August. Wonderful. So by the time in September, yeah, <laughs> good time to come and join me. Nice. <laughs> oh, I'd like to. <laughs> Very nice. Well, we really appreciate you making space to come on and share with us and our listeners your amazing story. So that's wonderful. Maybe you can come back again another time and we can discuss it some more. I would love to. Thank you so much, lady. <laughs> right. very, very thank you. Thank you for your right work. Oh, thank oh, you. <laughs> your beautiful energy. Thank you for sharing it with us. Yes, absolutely. All right. And everybody remember to like and follow and subscribe to our channel. Follow love Elizabeth <laughs> and uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you if you have any comments. So everybody have a magical week. Thank you.